0: Like you're 20, what, five over here? Well, I'm so glad to be here with y'all today. Um, when I was asked to do this, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it was a privilege, it was an honor. Um, I thought, oop, did I just turn off the light again? Nope. All right. Um, one of the biggest things that we we're talking about in the past few weeks is discipleship. It's one of my passions in ministry, I love doing discipleship. So, I wanted to speak not about just the ins and outs of discipleship, what it means, but how to have a culture and a church that needs disciples who make disciples. Let me ask you, do you build a church or do you want to make disciples? Right? Oh, is the slide going? Well, the slide's are not up yet. But if you make disciples, you will always have a church. But if you're here to make a church, you rarely get disciples. That's, that's really hard to put your mind around. It really is. Because if you think about it, churches are everywhere, right? And you have people inside of them, but they're not really growing. And especially nowadays, 1,500 churches a day close their doors and don't have another church to open for it. Why is that? Why is it? It's because of discipleship. See, we can all do this church thing. We can all come together. We can all serve together. But if we're not making disciples, what is the future going to look like? God commands us to make disciples, not just to have a social club. It's not here just so we can talk to our friends. We're here to serve God. And one of his, m- one of his commands was to go out and make disciples. So today we're going to look at Matthew 28, 16 through 20. But before that, let us let me pray. Lord Heavenly Father, I lift you up. You are such a blessing to this church, to these people. Let your words be spoken through me so that it edifies you and what you're trying to do here. Lord God, let us embrace this culture of discipleship. What you've shown us through your gospels on how you brought along the 12 and did life with them, Lord God. Let, these, let the ears in this, in this audience be receptive, Lord God, and let everything that you do be glory and praise to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're going to go into Matthew 28, 16 through 17. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, and some doubted. Now, I go bit by bit, so I'm going to stop here for a little bit and talk about these two verses. Why is it important? Well, in verse 16, we see it's a very important aspect of discipleship that he sent out the eleven to go to the mountain that he appointed to them. It was an obeying characteristic. He said to go somewhere they went. Obeying is part of what we should be doing. And... The fact that we obey brings us a closer relationship to what Jesus has for us. You want to be close to Jesus, obey him, go to him, seek him, find him, and know what he has in store for you. But some doubted. Even today, people doubt the, Jesus' resurrection. And one of the te- steps it takes to salvation is faith. Our faith in the resurrection is the key to who God is and what he did for us. And some people still doubt that, even though there has been evidence proven that Jesus did exist. There's evidence that he was buried. And there's evidence, because we have seen him, even after his death and burial, that he rose again to walk among the disciples. Some people just don't have faith. They doubt. They doubt the power of Jesus Christ. They sometimes want it to be more of them and less of Jesus Christ. But it should be the opposite. It should be more of Jesus Christ and less of us. Instead of doubting God, let us seek a relationship in him through worship, prayer, and service. And that was the one thing that he asked them to do. He said, go to the mountain in Galilee and where I've appointed you and we'll worship together. You notice how he said together. He did not let them go by themselves to worship. Just like today in this room, Jesus is with us. Where two or more are gathered, he is in our presence. Now, let's go to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Verse 18, all right. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you to the very end of the age. So... This is pretty simple. We talk about discipleship. There's your command. He has commanded you to make disciples. Some people ask, is it easy? How how do we do that? Where in this scripture does it tell us how to make a disciple? But it's important that he's given us authority to act on his behalf into this world that we live in today. So in verse 18, we talk about his authority. He had the authority to interpret the law in Matthew 7, 29, the power to forgive sins on earth in Matthew 6 and 8. He had the power to communicate to the Father in Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, and he had the power and the authority to teach. Every single thing he did, he made it into a teaching moment. Even at the wedding in Canaan, he, he told them to turn water into wine. It was a teaching moment. Every single thing that he did, he taught somebody along the way. What does the discipleship mean? It means to learn. He was the teacher, the ultimate teacher, and he was teaching the 12, and the 12 were learning. Now, all of this was on earth. So now he's, in verse 18, he was given this this on earth and in heaven. Far greater than anything that would have ever been given to him by Satan when Satan tempted him for the 40 days. He knew the power of his father would be way more powerful than somebody who wanted to take power over him. And he does that every single day in our lives. He tries to steal your joy. He tries to steal your pride. He tries to take your family and turn it against each other. But I'm telling you, our Father in heaven is far greater than that. And our Lord and Savior took it on the cross so we could have that relationship with both of them. So in verse 19 and 20, he commands us to do the following. He told us to go, he told us to make, and he told us to teach. Now, we can look at the vision of cross life as the command of give, grow, and go. Since it's a five-year anniversary, I want to put the perspective of why cross life has been so effective because they, the ministry that they have is set almost in the same way that God asks us to do discipleship. Now he commands us to go out into the world and preach, teach, and live out the example of Christ into the world. And in, in Cross Life, we are to go out into the communities, our jobs, and our homes, and teach and be the example of Christ. So we saw that there was 15 families In two thousand eighteen. At the beginning, wasn't there like three? Three families that three people. So 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 yeah, (laughs) it'd be two of my family, right? (laughs) But and then you look at where it is today, that doesn't just happen because we were a church. It happened because we put time and effort into people's lives. We came to build relationships. So now God tells us to make disciples. Well, how do we make a disciple? A lot of us, even beginners, ask that same question. Okay, now I'm a Christian. Now what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to disciple somebody? No. Sometimes you have to be the disciple to be able to make disciples. You have to learn what it takes because of Jesus' model of ministry in the Gospels. His model of discipleship and, and trust in his people replicated growth. We are to grow close to God because he, we love God and grow close to people because we love people. Isn't that what he says? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then it says love others like you would love yourself. It's, he's basically saying, I keep stepping on this thing, man. I'm going to step back. He keeps on telling us time and time again to love one another. What is Jesus? When you ask what is Jesus, more likely than not, somebody will tell you the one word for him is love. Because that's what he preached. That's what he did. He didn't take the highest of highs or the the popes or the the chief priests and say, hey, come walk beside me. No, he took the sinners. He took the people that weren't going to be chosen, and he loved them and he did life with them. You want to know what discipleship is? There you go. It's loving people where they're at. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, God still loves you today. And he's going to want a plan for you. And our plan is to make disciples who make disciples, to see his church grow. That is the most important thing for us. We grow together with God by relationship building and doing life with others, sharing what God has done, said, and will do. I love sharing my testimony because I didn't have the easiest life. I, wasn't gro- I didn't grow up in a church. I actually was one of the ones that wouldn't have been chosen. So to me, this means a lot to me. And it should mean a lot to you because it doesn't matter where you are, God's gonna meet you where you're at. Now let's look at teach. God told us to give others encouragement, hope, joy, and love. We do this by sharing in the word and sharing in love with others. Let me ask you, how many of y'all after today or after service or during the week spend time with somebody else in this church? You don't have to raise your hand, but some of us do, right? That, (laughs) I know, right? That is our purpose. Sometimes it's hard for us to share the word of God. But it's easy for us to be the example. Think about that. We could, nobody can remember everything in the scriptures. I don't even remember everything in the scriptures. Pastor Thomas doesn't remember everything in the scriptures. But what I can tell you that we do is we'd be the example be the example of what Christ is by loving others, spending time with them, putting our, our, our time and effort and faith into loving others to grow closer. I love the motto here at, at Cross Life. You are a piece of the puzzle. Every single one of you. I've even, I've even came up to Thomas and I said, hey, does it, do we have to do something to be in this community? Nope, just come on in. Come on. Let's go. Let's take you in. You're a piece of a puzzle here. You're important. You're not just a number, but you're a body that is here to serve God and what he wanted us to do. It is important to know as children of God that the presence of God is always with us. So today we celebrate five years of that. Five years. Not many church plants get this far. And if you don't know, for the new people, we are a church plant. It's a blessing to see the change from the 15 people to the 85 or 86 people knowing that it was just the, what was it, two weeks ago we had 101 as an average. I mean, that's, that's five times every year we're going up, you know. We we've never had a decline here at Cross Life. And now, we, we, even though the ups and downs that it's faced, God was always put forward, and that's why we are here today. And if you were in my position, you would see the multitude of people here just to uh, bring praise to this five-year anniversary. We were blessed to bring 78 people to Christ. They baptized 72 of them. We've been able able to give $60,000 to the service of God. Now, if you look at that many people that we've had and then look at how much money we've given that's a giving church it's not something that we do for for a show it's we did it they did it from the heart to share the love of christ by giving that tells you where your heart's at not only that but god has blessed blessed cross life with servants with good hearts with love for service I can tell you when I first got here, I, Ashley, she'll, she'll definitely agree with me, we got this paper, and it says all the list of things that you want to do, or that you could do. I was that crazy one that said, yep, 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 because I see service as a way of building life together, doing life together, making sure that this church operates because it has people that want to serve, that want to be a part of something bitter, bigger than themselves. That is our objective. But the past is great. We've had steady increases. We've done all these things. But what can we do to better ourselves? Where are we at in a discipleship-building church? We need to fulfill the Gospels and fulfill the command that Jesus had for us. Remember, effective discipleship builds the church, not the other way around. We need to understand that the church is the effect of discipleship and not the cause. In today's church, we don't have a missional problem. We don't. We have a discipleship problem. We really do. If you were to take some of the pastors from these churches or some of the leaders from this church, would they have somebody to take their place? Most of the time, not. And then they have to take six months to almost a year to find a pastor or find somebody else. And then sometimes that doesn't work. So they have to go back to the drawing board and keep doing this rotational thing until they find somebody that they want to serve with them. But see, there's there's the problem. If we keep on doing that, we're never going to fulfill the visions that we have for each other. The visions for this church is to grow, give, and go. And how could we do that if we don't have people ready to step up after we have done the things that we do? I'm going to tell you, I've I'm been I'm, I'm working with the youth, and we have youth leaders. And one of my main goals is to, to be in contact with them daily. Provide books for them to read. Provide prayer for them. And then we encourage that into our students. That is the model of discipleship. You take one group, you disciple them. You take another group and disciple them. In the book that I've been reading, they call it the 8 six, four principle. Usually the senior leaders or the qualified disciples would take on eight people. And out of those, when those eight people get into this discipleship program for three years and they do life together, they b- go into the Word together, they pray together, they send them out. And those people either grab six or four. And then that pastor that had the eight of them will work with the six or the eight with, to get the others to get involved, and not leave them nor forsake them. That is what Jesus did with the twelve. Right. After he was gone, he said, "No, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to guide you. The Holy Spirit's going to direct you. And look how many churches are in the world today. That was discipleship, and we've stepped away." from that so look at let's look at the Jesus model like I said before Jesus disciple people that no one would have chosen and taught them to do and be like him let me ask you some questions do you feel like you're good enough do you feel like you're important here is my thing to you allow God to move in your life The possibilities are endless. I have seen people, even in my own life, who had nothing and thought they were nothing, become somebody great. Become disciples who make disciples. I have seen people who were drunks and alcoholics change their life around to be deacons. I have seen so many things in my life to prove that God is who he says he is. He invited his disciples into life with him. And he invited you to be in life with him too. It's not taken away because he's not here right now. He's, He's here but in his physical presence. This is the possibility for you. They had access to his life and so do we. They saw Jesus at work and we could see the same Jesus at work because we allow him to move within us. So, what else does discipleship mean? How, how are we supposed to get connected and do relationship building? Let's look at what Jesus did. He ate with them. He taught them. He healed others. He prayed. He joked. He told stories. He fed them. He invited the thousands. He went to funerals, weddings, and retreats. He gave advice, answered questions, and they saw the perfect example of who God is. He didn't just say to you every Sunday morning, hey, how are you doing, sir? Hope you have a great day. No, the next day he was with them, he ate with them. Then the next day he went and prayed with them. And then the next day he fed the thousands. Every single day he was with them, he did not leave their side. He had some form of communication to build them up every single day to encourage them for the gospel and to the spreading of the gospel. Where do we need to be? It's very simple. We need to have Jesus with us. We need to have Jesus in our heart. And if you don't have that, I encourage that for you today. And if you do, you need to ask yourself a question today. We talk about the discipleship culture. Do you want to be discipled? Or do you think you're ready to disciple others? These are the questions you need to ask yourself. Because just like you are a piece of the puzzle, we're here to grow. We're here to give the word And be the example. And the best way to do that is to do life together. It's an honest truth and fact in discipleship. See, Jesus had a high, high invitation and high challenge philosophy to discipleship building. He invited them in and challenged them to do better. He challenged them by asking them questions that brought them closer to him. Just like when he fed the 5,000 and Philip was like, Where are we going to get the money to buy this much food? That was a teaching moment. That was a way of showing them who he was and to have faith in Jesus Christ. He did this because he wanted that relationship with you. He did all that. He suffered on the cross. He suffered by by getting whipped and getting chained and then having to bear his cross to walk almost a mile down the road to put himself up on the cross. I mean... That is enough pain to deal with that we've we've never dealt with in our life. We get a scraped knee. We're like, ah, we have a broken bone. That hurts. But imagine the pain that he had to suffer for you. And all he did that for was because he loves you and he didn't want you to suffer for the things that you've done wrong. He wanted that relationship with you so your sins could be forgiven, that your life could be changed, and that you can be the one of the unchosen people that worked for Jesus Christ. What would you say you have as a priority in your life? Are you not letting people in? Some of these questions you have to ask yourself. Did somebody break your trust? Is that why somebody's not allowing people in? Let us build that trust through loving one another and building a high invitation in a high challenging environment. Let us empower each other for the process of growth and love in Jesus Christ and the love of union that we have together. See, effective leadership is based upon the invitation to relation and the challenge to change. Leaders, are are, are we developing or discipling the next person in our, in our different uh, ministries? I'm not going to put anybody about it. If you're a ministry leader, ask yourself that today. If I was to go, do I have somebody that would take my place? Most of the time in churches today, that's a no. And that's a sad sight to see. No one accidentally creates disciples. It's not something that just happens out of the blue. You have to be intentional with it. You do. And with this model that we have up here, Jesus was in the disciple quadrant and empowering culture. Do you know that most churches today are in the boring quadrant and apathetic culture. They have no drive to go anywhere outside. And their their idea of going outside is sending money to a missionary and that's it. Then we wonder why churches close their doors. We wonder why there's a decline and growth. There's going to be a change in the world that we're living today. And it's because we're discipling others to build a change of culture that disciples others. See, we need to take away the client-provider relationship. He's not our boss. He's our family. You're not my boss. We're all family. That is what the church is. It's a family of believers who work and believe And doing the things that Jesus asked us to do. That's That's what it is. And that's why we need to have that empowering culture and that discipleship culture. Are you providing an invitation for people to walk in your life? To see how God is moving in your life? See, there's three ways of learning. You could be an apprenticeship. That's where you learn specific skills by walking alongside of somebody. You could be one of those people that like to read books, and that's the way you learn. Or you could do with that what I did and get put your foot to the fire and just learn from growth and doing. What kind of way do you learn best? Is it you learn because you do, or is it you learn because you read it? That is what you need to figure out. These are a lot of questions, but these questions will empower you to know where you are in your life, where you need to be and how you need to grow and how somebody can reach you. It's simple. We want to be discipleship makers? Let us go to where people are at. Let's meet them where they need to be met. Let's do the things that they need to be done to share the love of Christ and be do godly things and not ungodly things. So here's my challenge to you. Let us do life together. If I haven't spent time with you in recent times, don't worry, I'm coming. And don't get scared. I'm not mean. I don't bite. But I'm coming. Or one of us, one of us leaders are coming for you. Right now, it, the workers are few, but the harvest is plentiful. And we need to make disciples to help feed and harvest the groups, the food and the plants. That is what we need. And that's what discipleship does. It provides leaders. It provides um, people who do the things that God asks us to do to make a change. And we're supposed to give them the tools to grow. That is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to share the God's word and about what he's done in our lives. Give them the information, okay? Give them the intimate time with, that you have with him, by doing and let God lead you and bring others to Christ. So I'm going to ask you something today. Where are you at? Where has God brought you? I'm going to share with you a little bit about my testimony and why discipleship means a lot to me. I was the unchosen. I was the alcoholic. I was, I was into drugs when I was younger. I was that person that nobody wanted to reach. Yeah, I was a part of the so-called gang mentality lifestyle. And now you look at me, that's not there anymore. I was that unchosen person. My senior pastor, his name is Michael Jordan. No, he's not a basketball star. He's far from that. If you actually got to meet him, he's about six. Seven has a gut, and yeah, just anyway. Um, but he saw me and he saw me from a distance. And he was like, Some his whole family comes to this church, why doesn't he? I would make up any excuse not to come. But one day he said, You know what? Because he likes to play paintball, let's get everybody to play paintball together. Because that's what me and my uncle my cousin did. Because that's we're like the army, marine type mentality, where we just like to go shoot guns, and we can't shoot them at people, so we use paintballs. Um, and he decided he was going to come and play paintball with us. Now, imagine six, seven, not in the best of health, easy target. Yeah, he oh he got lit up all the time. I mean, we had we had um, paintball guns that would shoot like m- multiple at one time, and he would just be the ending. Result of it. But he came and came back and came back and came back because he saw something. He saw something greater in somebody else, and he wanted to reach out to him. That's the first spark of discipleship, invitation. He came to me where I was at and said, hey, Dwayne, how are you doing? Where do you need help in life? Obviously, he's not a paintballer. I mean, he, he could barely run from one um, coverage to the next without getting shot five times. But he did it anyway. And then when he was there, he incorporated prayer. He said, hey, before we play every game, if you don't mind, I respect you. but l- At least let me pray. That's my, that's my beliefs. And I, we were like, yeah, sure, why not? Because I was searching for somebody to love me. And that's what he did. He wanted to love on me. He kept doing that. Then he kept inviting me to like dinners and things of that nature because he saw where I was at. In six months, I came to accept Jesus in my heart. After that, he spent every day praying for me. Every day. And to this day, he still does. That's what I've taught and I've been taught as a discipleship way of life. You don't stop doing life with somebody. No, you empower them. You go into the word with them. He challenged me one day. He said, Dwayne, I know you're new at this, but I want to challenge you with something. He said, I want you to come to our church and teach discipleship, teach an evangelism course. And I was like, man, you are, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I know it was like six months afterwards, but I'm like, okay, there's a challenge. And I'm the type of person, well, you can ask my wife, challenge accepted. Uh, if you challenge me to do something, I will say, all right, let's go. It's, it's just my crutch. I, I do it all the time. Sometimes it doesn't work out for me, but it does. And I just know that the challenge is going to be met. And that's what he did. He challenged me. And he put, he put trust in me. He, he called me every single day. Hey, so what do you think about this? What's, where are you going with the first? What Bible verse are you going at? And he just met me where I was at. And, and he not only just let me ha- walk and do everything by myself, but he guided me. He walked alongside of me. That's discipleship. And we have that ability. It's not something that's new in life, it's not something that's hard to do. How many of us have friends that we talk to daily? Everybody in this room has friends. I don't, you, know, you, you, know, you don't have to lie. Do we walk with them daily? <laughs> do we walk with them daily? Do we, do we have that loving environment for them? We come to church to learn more about God, don't we? We come to church to be empowered and to love on one another and build a culture that is surrounded by Jesus' love, right? So if we do it here... Why don't we do it everywhere? That's what we seek, right? That's what we come here for, right? What's different? You guys have people in your lives that you come in contact with every single day. And sometimes they need to hear the words, Jesus loves you. I used to go <laughs> into the, because I was a construction worker. And if anybody has been in construction, you know some of the things that they say is just off the wall crazy. And I would never repeat it. But I remember going into there, and I just walk into every room. God loves you. And then walk away. Walk away and just find somebody else. And this is going to be my last story before I get to my ending. Eventually, we had a group of guys talking about Christ in the middle of building, and the, and the, the foreman had to tell us to stop <laughs> because nothing was getting done. We were all sitting there. It was like 10 of us just sitting there talking about it. And all it had to do was say, hey, Jesus loves you. So today, where are you at? Are you, do you feel called to be a disciple maker? Do you want to be discipled? Or do you want to know who God is? All of these things could be answered with these people in this room. Because we'll all love to share it with you. And we would all love to grow you so that when you go into your life, you can share it with others. That's what cross life is about. It's about sharing the love of God with others and building a culture of changing lives for Christ. So today, like I said, if, if, you're, if you're on the fence, if you need to know more about Christ, let us walk with you. If you're new here or you've, it's been a while since you've been here and you, and you feel like you're not where you should be, Let us know we'd love to walk beside you. That is what we're here for. That is our mission, especially as believers, to see you come to Christ. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for the many blessings that we've seen in, in our lives, Lord God. Let us share our testimony with others. Let us be an example of you in everything that we do. Let us do more of you and less of us, Lord God. Let us put our faith in, in that you can move mountains. Let us pay, put our faith in you that you can change the unchanged, that you can move and do things with people that we can't even imagine, Lord God. Lord God, we just thank you for the blessings that we've received, the, 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 the future that we have, the vision that you have for us, the model of discipleship, the model of loving one another. And, Lord God, thank you for letting us put it into practice to see lives change in that manner. Let us be faithful. Let us be obeying. Let us let us silence the doubts. Let us silence Satan's temptations. And let us bring forth a God who can do all things. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have another song? Yeah. We're going to okay. do a. An invitational song says so our worship team comes. Thank you, Dwayne, for those words and um, those encouragements. And, uh, church, I'm just excited that uh, we get to walk with you and we want to walk with you. So, during uh, this invitational time, we're going to sing I Surrender All. What a, uh, couldn't